February 2009. Subject line, absolutely, dot, dot, dot. Unacceptable. I am sorry that this is going to the whole listserv. I have no idea who was in the house today or tonight, but whoever ate the blueberry muffins tonight or today owes myself and blank a huge apology. We have worked our butts off for this, and as I type this email, it is 1.30 a.m. I am making pigs in a blanket and setting up for tomorrow so I can go pick up more food at 8 a.m. from Kroger. Did I mention that I have a paper due in 12 hours that I have yet to start? I am upset and angry that someone ate the muffins. There are numerous signs in the kitchen. We all know what is going on tomorrow. It is inexcusable. You know, guys, (laughs) I too am upset and angry that someone ate the muffins. I heard through the grapevine that my friend Claire ate the muffins. I really don't know who ate the muffins. Um, Honestly, I didn't know anybody in my sorority ate carbs besides me. Uh, otherwise, why was I eating all those personal pan pizzas alone? Um, but, you know, I did not live in the house at the time. And I'm grateful for that because I think I would have been a strong contender. Like, I can just see somebody shouting down the hall and being like, it was one of the mediums. Um, but I... Yeah, I'm in this bitch terror. Got a head full of snacks. Better grab an umbrella. I make it right. I make it right. I'm in this bitch terror. Got a head Sorry, did that startle you? (laughs) Well, it should have, because it's freaking terrifying to go from a tune you like to suddenly have people simultaneously scream, chant, clapping at you and to imagine the visual of them, you know, doing so while being, you know, roughly 48 people in a door stack that look identical are wearing the same clothes and are debatably not blinking. You know, it's it's not it's it's a tough thing to get used to. And you know, like many away messages said in my day, uh, you know, from the outside looking in, you can't understand it. But from the inside out, you can't explain it. Like I wear my letters in the front because my sisters have my back. We may not have it all together, but together we have it all because, oh my God, I have the best big in the world. My little is so hot. Welcome to our new babies. I'm sorry if you didn't hear your chapters chant. I didn't even put mine because we had like a really good one, but it wasn't on. I couldn't find it on YouTube. So I just try to pick some of the, you know, the best stuff. Truly, even on my like I'm watching the audio waves and my computer is like, what the fuck? Like, this is too much noise. This is very unstable audio. You are putting your listeners at risk by putting out this MP3. And for that, I thank YouTube, because for many of you, this sounds like the opening of the gates of hell. But for a lot of us, it's pure nostalgia. Guys, welcome back to the Be There in 5 podcast. I am Kate Kennedy. And for the purposes of this episode, I am nothing other than a Kappa Delta. And I know what you're going to do. You're going to do that thing where I can tell in person whenever I tell people what Greek organization I was in. They start stewing. I can see them calibrating in their head. And whatever you're about to say, 
they're about to project whatever stereotype your sorority had at their school onto you entirely, even though that makes absolutely zero sense. But that is how math works in the Greek system. So, you know, in their head, they're like, oh, I'm Delta, Delta, Delta. Can I help you, help you, help you? Am I right? Alpha Phi, all for free. And it's like, okay, just because Alpha Phi's are sluts at your school doesn't mean they were at mine. What you heard at the beginning is an excerpt from an, a previous episode, episode 52. It's called Ween Picks. That episode was kind of the nexus of, of sororities being a part of the dialogue of this podcast. And that was an actual email from that was sent to my sororities listserv from a girl who is truly awesome. And she listens to this podcast and is such a good sport about it. And it, it's nothing about her. It's more so the perfect. It's, it's very illustrative of how in the context of a sorority, you very often can lose your mind because you think that you're all friends and, and the sisterhood is so sacred. But then you get appointed to a council position or you're a chair of something like Parents Weekend Against Your Will. You don't get to go out. You have to stay in and make pigs in a blanket and other accoutrements for the occasion. And then all of your alleged sisters come home, rummage through all your food like a bunch of raccoons and straight up Joey Chestnut style dr dip shrimp tacos in water so they can go down the hatch faster. Understandably, you'd be a little annoyed. The reason I love that email is for several reasons, not, not just the fact that it's muffins, not just the fact that it came out at the exact same time that viral YouTube video did where that guy was like, these shoes rule, these shoes suck. He also had a video that was called Muffins, and he's like, Peach, Blueberry, Israeli at Palestinian conflict muffins. It was so stupid. Um, but it, it just kind of went down in history. I'm obsessed with the fact that in an angry tone, she talks about pigs in a blanket because it's just such an unserious food to say in a serious tone. And every time I'm angry, I just want to be like, I was making pigs in a blanket. It's on a log. You, you got to think of the dumbest food possible. And it just like, it just, it works. It's so good. And um, I think that it's so, I just, I love talking about sororities for a myriad of reasons. And this is, you know, please don't be like, you're rambling. Get to the point. This entire thing is just me. And it's not rambling so much as we're just talking about a variety of topics within sororities. And there's no one point or thing I'm building up to. It's just kind of going to be a, a gradual see where it goes. We'll talk about different events, explain how recruitment works. I want to read listener stories. I want to read submissions of funny T-shirts. There will be two parts. Um, I just want to talk about my experience in Greek life, Pepper and listeners experiences and just kind of have a fun, lighthearted discussion, because I think there is something so inherently funny about a national organization trying to implement and uphold these standards of a mature, grown adult. But instead of having, you know, a bunch of mature, grown adults to execute the, and live by those standards, they're they're stuck with a bunch of blackout 18 and 19 year olds. They're just like, we're trying to live. We want to dance like no one's watching. Little did we know when we joined the sorority, everyone's watching. And by everyone, I mean standards and counsel because they will call you in the very next day. And the weirdest part of all is that your peers are enforcing the rules who are guilty of the same crimes you're committing. But all of a sudden, they, they throw on a, a twin set and a slack from the New Yorkan company and their mother, Teresa. So all of a sudden, you're sitting there in standards. You're getting called in because you danced on an elevated surface or you like touched a beer bottle to your lips, apparently. And you're like, OK, Becky, I saw you at the Pike House last night. You were passed out. Unless our sisters were p playing a casual game as, of, of light as a feather, stiff as a board. Pretty sure they had to carry you home. So, so don't get all high and mighty on me, girlfriend. But it was her job. And then you would get on social probation, you'd get fined, you'd have to like, th there's all sorts of punishments that are so much more severe than like anything in the real world. But what's so crazy is 
these the, the way these are enforced are so strict because these organizations are trying so hard to be better, to do better, to do the right thing. And what's so funny is all the stories that I'll read and I'll tell have so little to do with the sororities themselves and everything to do with the people and the inevitable dynamics of a bunch of different people, a bunch of square pegs trying to fit in a common set of round holes that are dictated by an overarching organization that you may or may not agree with, but you hopefully pick the house and they pick you that, you know, you can identify with the most, even though you won't necessarily agree with everything. And I think the the challenge is any time that happens when there's different personalities working in different directions, all, but all being held to the same standards that they may or may not agree with, it's it's a recipe for chaos, but you layer that with the maturity level, the experience level, the leadership experience of a bunch of 18 to 21 year olds. It, it, it The drama is going to be substantial. And I think that at a national level, sororities are trying to do the right thing. I think at a individual level, each person in college in their head thinks a sorority is just going to be like entirely social, a, a, a barrel of laughs. But you get there and you're like, oh, there's like a lot of rules and not only rules, like not only do they ask a lot of your time, they ask for a lot of your money. And when you can't spend your time, they you have to give them more money as a fine. They not perhaps even my soul. Honestly, I don't know what I swore into at initiation. I kind of blacked out and maybe it was because I locked my knees and locked knees affect millions of families every year. And by families, I mean sorority girls who are dressed in probably white in a candlelit room and forget to bend when they're standing up for hours on end, whether at recruitment or initiation, because I don't know what sororities have against chairs, but they're a great invention that they should have considered. I never did more standing in my life than in a freaking sorority. I was always so tired. Everything is so exhausting. And I'm like, isn't this the whole time? I just remember asking myself, like, this is supposed to be fun. I think like I'm so confused. It was very much like a there ain't no party like a Kappa Delta party because a Kappa Delta party is mandatory. And like, here's I mean, here's what I would never take back. My friends that I made, we were really running like a, a, a two to one ratio of laughs to, to misery. And so often the misery caused the laughs. And I think that, you know, it was it weird when I was picturing like Elle Woods, Legally Blonde Sorority House, even, you know, even that snooze fest of a sorority at UC Davis from MTV's Sorority Life. I, I loved Jordan and Candace's gelled curls. I, I thought they were they were the coolest girls in town. I loved their polos. I loved their khaki cargos. I loved Candace's overplucked eyebrows and generally overly sweet disposition in contrast with Jordan's deep voice and kind of cool girl mentality because she was a girl that doesn't get along with other girls. And we all know what that means. You're just kind of a bitch. But instead of Elle Woods, instead of Jordan and Candace and the gang, and, and uh, I would find myself in this house that I couldn't drink in at a mandatory function, being yelled at by a chapter advisor that, you know, didn't look like, but to me, energetically, was similar to that of a trench bowl. And I was like reciting off like Latin ritual. And I'm like, I don't even go to class. But somehow for this, I've studied harder than anything in my entire life. Like, forget the SATs. The national chapter advisor visit is to you at that moment, the most defining moment of your life. And you don't realize it has no bearing on your life after four years. And but that's kind of the beauty of it is the intensity is so there for everybody that the, the lack of awareness or perspective of what it's going to mean for the rest of your life is not there. And all of that kind of creates this this very insular, emotionally charged group of people that like live free or die hard for this organization that is a series of arbitrary rules made up by an organization that like you may or may not have anything to do with after college ends. And it's just like such a bizarre 
thing to me. And again, like, I don't have the privilege of anonymity on this podcast. Obviously, you know where I went to school, you know what story I was in. But that's fine, because honestly, my my experience was lovely. I have no issue with Kappa Delta. They're an incredible national organization that does incredible work. Every everything they did was trying to keep us out of trouble. And that's the joke in all of this It's for every fight. I laugh at every story I'm telling. Some are very tough and, you know, deserve to be acknowledged. Some are just very lighthearted and silly and people on power trips. But more often than not, either the sorority, the standards board or the national chapter was doing like trying their hardest to keep people out of trouble, was trying to minimize at risk behavior, was trying to minimize liability and had rules for a reason because it probably had been an issue in the past. And I should have been more grateful for that level of attention to detail and care for my safety. I, in retrospect, I appreciate it a lot more because I'm so grateful for all the photos they kept off the Internet. We had like a a sorority commenter that would like go comment on your photo, like an X, if there was like a beer can, you know, in some nether region in the corner and it couldn't be up there. Like our uh, every album, any of my me or my roommates put up was just like straight up three giant X family feud style, like, no, 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 take this down immediately. We lived in a basement apartment. We held all the parties because our apartment was foul. It had slugs. My roommates, Lindsay and Jasmine and Sasha, we had so much fun, but also our apartment, it came with a couch that had just like been there for years. And like, if you took a black light to it, it would be a Jackson Pollock. It was absolutely foul. I don't even identify with the person that lived in that place, but I also remember a lot of fun times from it. I also had a lot of rough times in college. I was very depressed through different parts of college. I struggled to kind of assimilate to the sorority. I have a lot of different feelings about it, but I think that like I appreciate it now way more than I did in real time. My friendships have stood the test of time far longer than any of the the tenants or rituals of the organization did, but those are what probably influenced the strength of the friendships that I can't deny whatsoever. And what I'm going to do is just kind of see where this goes. What I'm not going to do is take anybody down. I have no interest in in providing any sort of specific perspective about sororities. What I have interest in doing is reminiscing of laughing, of seeing how through so much of the, 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 the kind of petty and bitchy interactions, how funny they are now because everybody was probably doing their best. Even the people enforcing it probably didn't want to be on council. The people that ratted you out probably weren't fitting in or came from a difficult place. I think that like, In your 30s, a sorority, I don't know, maybe I'm being naive and maybe things are always complicated because, you know, I have Nextdoor on my phone and it's a dumpster fire and I hear PTA boards are the same and fingers crossed, I cannot wait to get on one of those email listservs because I love a dramatic email and an accidental reply all, which is basically all a sorority was. Um, You know, I wouldn't take back a minute of the chapped hands from clapping, the aggressive uh, screaming at people that you want to think you're friendly and you want them to join your house, I guess. I wouldn't take back the dead toes and the sore feet and the stiletto stab tendons in my foot. I I wouldn't even take back some of the tougher times where we were being reprimanded for not being classy. And you guys don't know how I feel about classy. The least classy thing you can do is call yourself classy. And this was my first and biggest hang up with my sorority. It's chapter specific, like chapter. At the time, the leadership was very concerned about being classy. And I was kind of like, um... I don't know. As far, as far as I'm concerned, that's like pretty tacky to like obsess about and talk about your class. And I just thought it was very weird. And then I would see the people that would talk about class do really unclassy things. And then the hypocrisy started to frustrate me. What I didn't realize is that every leadership situation ever is riddled with hypocrisy. As I'll likely detail later with my role as chaplain, the official clergyman 
of the sorority. Now, you know, like anything in life, a lot of joy is in the pain. And for every mandatory god-awful speaker event and pancake dinner and fundraising event and date party that was obligatory with some frat you had no interest in, but you had to be fair and equal, so we, you know, drink 12 to 16 beers beforehand, for all, of the, for all that pain, it's not about the rules. It's not about the sorority. It's not about the organization. It's about the people laughing their asses off behind the scenes about what they're having to do. It's the people that even though you disagree with something, you wouldn't change it for the world because there's a common camaraderie amongst you for having endured a similar situation, for having known and been a part of the same thing. And even though half the time most of you didn't really all get along at once, would you have each other's back when push came to shove? Absolutely. And I think that that's, you know, as we talk about sororities, take it for what it is. Am I going to pretend like bad things don't happen in sororities? Absolutely not. Deplorable things happen in sororities. I think that every single university, every single Panhellenic Council, every single national sorority, and every single chapter within those national sororities are vastly, vastly different. And the organization can try as hard as possible to find members that closely align with the type of values and people they want as a part of it. But the reality is there's a lot of variance within people and personalities. There's just a lot of general garbage people in this world. And when they are in Greek organizations, I think due to the stereotypes of sororities historically seeming vapid, strictly social, just parties, ditzy, Elwood style, you know, all, all the rumors of hazing. I think when things do go wrong in sororities, people are very quick to typecast, you know, that's what it's like to be in a sorority. And while I don't discount or invalidate anybody's negative experience, you are entitled to feel however you feel about something that happened to you. I can only speak to mine, which was largely positive. I felt very protected by our university. Uh, if anything, ours was too strict. Like I, I my biggest issue with the sorority most of the time is like I just wanted to live. And I had to pay so many fines because I didn't want to go to stuff. And it's stuff like that that you're like, why am I paying for friends and then paying you more money for me to not attend stuff I never wanted to go to anyway? It's very confusing. But I think the thing is, you know, I'll read a variety of stories. Some are like, oh, yikes. And some are just lighthearted and funny and the, the whole gamut. And we'll, we'll see where we net out. And I just want to share and I don't want anybody to take this too seriously and I think the bottom line is you're naive if you think that one person's story can even, you know, logically, mathematically be projected on the whole. I think everyone's very different. And I do think that most Greek organizations are trying as hard as they can to improve any wrongdoings of the past, to hold their you know members to a high standard and to do a lot of philanthropy work in hundreds of thousands of dollars. And these individual chapters are donated and raised to charities. I mean, there are good things. Do I love when people are like, it's mostly a philanthropic organization. Like, no, we were golf pros and tennis hoes like 90% of the time. Like we, we had a date party with Sigma Chi and their letters were EX. And our uh, our costume idea, our brilliant idea was drugs, like tripping on X. And we all came as rave characters and we're like, get it? Like ecstasy. Like, no. Did people like that? No. Did we do it anyway? You betcha. It, it's, it, it's just an interesting time where we did a lot of good we did a lot of deviant things that inevitably will happen in college, and we got in a lot of trouble for a lot of it. And it was scary at the time. We laughed about it behind closed doors. But now I want to talk about it because it's a super fascinating formula when you have a large group of people who want to have fun and do what they want and exercise free will as much as they want to belong. And that one to one ratio of desperately wanting to be part of something, but also wanting to reject a lot of what being a part of something is comprised of 
it creates this natural tension that is so beautiful and so funny and so many hilarious things come out of it. Because when you want, want to be a part of something, when you join something, when you commit to something and you're kind of at that vulnerable age and y- y- you want to make it work and you love the friends you've made and you've put in a lot of time memorizing all sorts of things in Latin, even when things seem unfair, even when the going gets tough, are you going to leave? Absolutely not. All things aside, loyalty forever to the green and white. Even though I was taught all sorts of uh, secret handshakes, gestures, I don't even I don't even know. I was taught all of these things to identify myself as as a proper cap adult. Should I be in a situation where you know it's dire that one must know, though it cannot be spoken, which happens often. I I have yet to experience that, but you bet I am locked, loaded, and ready to whip out any and all of that ritual if I need to. Honestly, when I start to talk about it or I'm around a bunch of my sorority sisters, I become proud of it. It's something that is a part of me. And even though I had a lot of issues about with it in the in real time, it was more so growing pains, I think, of me trying to navigate my way through college. And how lucky am I to be able to do so with a bunch of fantastic friends I met because of the organization that kept us in line, which we now all owe them everything in the world for. So you know, I love Kappa Delta. I love Virginia Tech. They kept us safe. They did everything in their power to make sure like we were not drinking. We were not really doing anything at risk whatsoever. And I laugh because you want to be like at college and raging, but it's better that they keep you safe. I mean, trust me, I remember my friends at UVA, they were like, yeah, we, we at midnight, we puked in buckets. I was like, cool, cool. Yeah, I had a similar experience. You know, I I got um, tackled uh, by a bunch of people I had never met out of sheer joy for meeting me. And upon thinking I was getting hazed, what actually was happening is I was getting hazed with aggressive friendliness that I wasn't expecting by a bunch of people I had really never met. And, you know, that's great that you got to go out with your sisters, chug beers, shotgun beers, puke in buckets after too much burnouts. That all sounds like a blast. But you know what I got to do? I got to stand in a circle and clap. I got to discern whether people were yelling at me or singing at me, which are two indistinguishable things that sororities do. I I, I got like four Nalgene bottles that were polka dotted with with my letters on it that I can't use till after initiation. But that's cool. That's that's, that's like kind of like a party. That's kind of wild. You know, I'm young. I'm free. I am sitting on the floor cross legged hearing about how from here on out I will live like a classy Katie lady. Rage college. No parents. What are you going to do? <laughs> Actually, well, now as I start walking through my story experience, um, the reason I had a tough go at first was for a, a few reasons. And I want to give a high level of how recruitment works because I know a lot of people listening to this are maybe interested but weren't in sororities. And I actually think it's very, um, it, it's pretty seamless when done right. It's horrible. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it, it's a pure form of torture to live through it. However, it's actually kind of also really fun. It's like pulling an all-nighter filled with delirious laughter. It's like, you know, it's not something you would necessarily choose to do, but it's also something you wouldn't necessarily take back. And it's, you know, for anything to run well, it's got to have a level of organization. And uh, so when I first joined, you know, controversy, when I did, um, when I was doing like my new member and like, like learning, we were like sit in circles and learn about stuff. I confided in the person that was like my leader like it was probably like the second week and I all every girl in my dorm that I was friends with we all picked different sororities like it was actually shocking I think I thought we'd all end up in the same one but we literally all picked different ones because we didn't really talk about it when we were going through like the the rush the recruitment mutual selection process I'll talk about a little later 
And I was shocked when I got to bid day and realized none of my friends pledged the same sorority. And actually, two of my friends separately pledged a different sorority. In the first few weeks, I really was like, oh, my God, I wish I had gone there. Like, I should have asked my friends, what was I thinking? I'm a person that needs one person. I really need, like, a friend to latch on to. I'm very much like Bethany in that way. You know, like, one season, she'll just, like, leech onto Carol. Sometimes she'll leech onto Dorinda. I definitely like to have a buddy. And um, without a buddy, I was lost. And I confided in my leader. Uh, Okay, so she went back to the house and told every single person, Katie Kennedy wishes she was a DG. And this got back to me. And I was like a freshman. And I was like, what the hell? And like, so actually, my pledge period was like a little uncomfortable because I was really mad about that because everybody thought I didn't want to be there. And it's an already kind of a, a judgmental environment that just didn't look good for me. But also, I think everybody else was like, crying r.i.p me on their knees praise the lord father son holy spirit i got into kappa delta this is all i've ever wanted and i was kind of like I, I just started this yesterday like i didn't know my mom was in a sorority um and she loved it but she's not the type of person that would pressure me to be in hers so she was like do whatever you want i honestly just genuinely liked kds um i had met a lovely one named rebecca like my first semester it wasn't like a dirty rush as they say but she was really nice to me And I remembered, honestly, like small gestures go a long way. And I didn't really met anybody in other chapters. And then I went, you know, to the house every single day of recruitment. And everybody was really nice. And they got on their knees and they talked to me like a toddler. Yes, they wanted to make eye contact, uh, but also a little weird. Um, But, you know, I just had an interesting experience because I really knew nothing going into it. I had no friends going into it. And um, I had kind of a rocky start. And I didn't really get into my sorority until like the second two years, probably the first two years, I felt a bit restricted and I really clung to my like dorm friends. And then I made closer friends in the sorority and then I was obsessed and I still am. And there are some of my best friends today and I wouldn't change a thing. So yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of hopping all over here, but I hope you understand my disclaimer. Uh, These stories are way more about people than organizations and way more about context than any specific enforcement from like some national group. So while I will keep everybody anonymous besides myself, uh, you know, just something to keep in mind. I don't ignore the bad stuff whatsoever. And it certainly happens. And it's certainly a problem. And if anybody is ever rushing and feels remotely uncomfortable, run the other way, report it. Don't try to be cool. Don't try to get in people's favor. Don't let it happen to somebody else. And just, you know, state your case. And people are pretty... I would hope on high alert these days for people being put in those situations. It used to be like a pay your dues kind of thing. But now I would hope it's a little bit more designed to make people comfortable and that it's really supposed it's meant to be a fair process. It's meant to be mutual selection process and um, it's meant to have your back. And if or when you, you feel betrayed by your chapter that, you know, preaches sisterhood to you, you have every right to shout from the rooftops how bad they sucked. Doesn't mean the whole national organization sucks, but your experience definitely sucked. And I would never invalidate that. Well, a couple things. So the song I played earlier before I intentionally startled you with the, you know, reverberated noises of, of, of late teens, early 20s, female voices chanting and clapping at you. We spent a lot of time clapping and singing in unison, a lot of time learning those songs. And Honestly, when I hear any other chapter song, I'm like, that blows. Like, they shouldn't really hear our toe tappers. 
we had this one that was like more jazzy and me and my little Claire who ate the muffins. Uh, she's going to be so mad. Follow her on Instagram, 999 Spyglass. She makes adorable hats. I don't know if she ate the muffins, but it makes her mad. And I just love saying that. Um, she and I loved this one song that everybody else hated, but we thought it was like a real jazzy tune. Like if Kappa Delta songs were Taylor Swift's album Lover, this would be False God. And it was like, did that again? D K D to that a D K D to that a Delta is the one for me. It was like very jazzy, and you snapped and you, you kind of dropped your register, and um, it was soothing. And I think honestly, selfishly, I was just like, for the love of God, can we stop clapping? My hands are raw, my hands are chapped, my voice is shot. Like, let's just take take the lights down low and get jazzy up in here. And um, I just I like I'll never forget those songs. I know my mom's sorority songs. She like used to sing them growing up. And I think that's largely she had such a great experience. And I she still talks about her sorority and her sorority friends. And I think that's a big reason why I joined, too. And um, basically the way it works. So like it's all it's different at every school. But there's this governing panhellenic body that I think is 26 sororities. And they kind of dictate the rules. And then there's like it's kind of like the, um, the 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 Federalist versus the states, right? It's like the the school has its governing body, and then the school has their Panhellenic Council, and then there's the individual sororities and their council and their standards boards. But then there's the national sorority chapters, and then there's national Panhellenic. There's a lot of different tiers of governance, which is why there's a shit ton of rules, and there's why there's a lot of focus on the minimization of of uh, liability, but. Basically, like r- loosely, if you're not super familiar, the high level of like how recruitment and getting into sorority works. Well, first of all, every it's like the cliche term is rush, um, but it's actually called recruitment. They're funny about that. I think that maybe there's some sort of stigma with rush they're trying to get away from. It's kind of like I played like serious volleyball. And when people are like bump, set, spike, I'm like, it's actually pass, set, hit. But OK. Are you a Ken doll on the beach in Malibu? Like, no, nobody says bump, set, spike. But, you know, can I blame them? It's actually called recruitment, even though I even say rush sometimes. Um, and it's it's a process that's, a, that's meant to uh, be fair. And it's called mutual selection. And it's where you are in a group of women and you're led by people called rogamas or rokais. And it's like you're randomly assigned to a group. And every day you go to each house and you have the same amount of time with each sorority and they're supposed to do the exact same things, just kind of like in their own style. And as each day goes on, you whittle down your list of the houses you go back to based on mutual selection. So you rank them, they rank you. That, you know, dictates where you go the next day. The hard slash sad part is that every day you are, you know, finding out if they picked you or not. And a lot of people don't get in their dream sororities, which is upsetting. But it's like, on the one hand, I look back and I'm like, God, that was messed up. That was so much needless judgment. It was like every girl we talked to was the same, but I'd have to be like, you know, she seemed a little disinterested. And like, was she? I don't know. I just needed something to say at that point. I was tired. It was like 2 a.m. I just still can't even believe I had anybody's fate in my hands. But like anything, you, you think about trying out for sports, think about, you know, running for a council, think about you know, any sort of competition, getting a job, there's there's a level of competition and there's a structure to it. And even if at times the criteria seems arbitrary, it is what it is. That's how it's run. And you just hope there's as much integrity as possible involved. But yeah, so 
the first night they usually like dress you like you all have to like wear t-shirts and you can't have decorations and like you can't break the rules and there's like all sorts of rules like you can't say i'll like i'll see you later i'll see you tomorrow because that's a like a bid promise and i don't know like Honestly, I don't know who enforces these rules. Like, are you going to get prosecuted by law? I, I just I don't know. But I guess you would get fined. Um, that's They love to fine you. That's why I played Make It Rain. Because not only did we all make it rain to pay for friends, but then I had to make it rain. Because God forbid I missed out to Gamma's anchor splash because I have pneumonia. I went back through my emails recently and truly it's like, hey, Lindsay. Hey, Jessica. So sorry. Can't make it to the event tonight. I know the speaker's supposed to be really riveting, but I have six papers due tomorrow and I haven't started any of them. Thanks, Katie. And then they'd respond and be like, hey, girl, so you missed the last 12 events and you owe us $400. <laughs> and like I, at one point in my senior year, I was so over it. I thought about depinning, but my mom was like, don't do that. It's like you want to be able to like, you know, be on good terms. There might be alumni opportunities. You want to be able to say you were part of the sorority and you already put in all this time. Love her. The other thing I didn't explain from the beginning, if you did not listen to the episode Ween Picks, is uh, one of my sorority sisters, when I was at a bachelorette party, was talking about how funny it was. And it like didn't register with me until that moment how we everybody was so tiny in the sorority that and we had to order T-shirts like two a week, one for every random fraternity philanthropy event, one for every fundraiser it was so many shirts they were all roughly $13 and the sizing was impossible because I'm like a gilded medium but an American apparel XL and I the sizing was a nightmare like at a point it was like every you know half the list of emails were like ladies I need t-shirt sizes and I need them now and it was just like oh my god I'm so tired of answering these emails but there was never really that much direction about the the stretchiness of the fabric and it got to a point where everybody was so tiny and everybody was ordering smalls that in the meetings they would just say, does anybody not want a small? And then us mediums and larges would like, you know, either not say anything or just be stewing, thinking about how badly this deserves a heads down, hands up approach because it was a bit rude. I didn't really think about it at the time, but it makes me laugh now because I wouldn't say anything in real time. And then in my email inbox, I found so many emails being like, hey, girl, you know, I said I wanted a small in the meeting, but like, I don't know. I just like want like a looser fit, you know, so like maybe I'll get a medium and then I'd email her back and I'd be like, actually, is it American Apparel? Because if so, I I'd need a large. And then I email her back and be like, actually, can I get a medium? Like I'm going for like a tighter fit. And I would just like I, I, I mean, I would just completely whiplash change my mind about sizing needs. And it's so sad to like read back. But uh, I just never really wanted to, I guess, raise my hand in the meetings. But anyway, so back to recruitment. You had the one night with the shirts, like they'd give you and you couldn't decorate or you get fined. Then you had a night that was like dedicated to philanthropy where your list was kind of whittled down. And then you had the third night, we called it sisterhood night. And it was even whittled down further, maybe like five houses. And I think pref night was three houses, maybe four. And pref night is where they like, sit you down they talk to you in a low dulcet tone and they tell you why they really feel like you'd find your home here why they really think that you would thrive and you'd come into your own and you'd understand why sisterhood you know everything you did in life up until this point you think it matters but no what really matters is the women in this room and you look across the room 
and you will see people that may not be your family. They've become your family. And even though I literally met you yesterday, I feel like I understand you. I get you. I love your energy. And I just really think that you'd find your home here. And part of you is like, oh my God, they see, they see right into the depths of my soul. They get me. They understand me. I want a warm hug. Uh, I, I just want to bask in, in the warm verbal embrace I was just given by this perfect stranger who seems to know absolutely everything about me. But part of you is like, oh, well, I already got my own family and I got my own friends, so I'm good, thanks. Uh, but, you know, you're kind of swept up in it at the time. And from there, again, based on mutual selection, you make your top picks, they make theirs, and bada bing, bada boom, you hopefully get one of your top three houses. A lot of people don't. And that's tough, too. Uh, legacies definitely have an easier shot if your uh, mom was in uh, one of the sororities that you want. But even then, you have to like write letters, and there's a way that people cannot let legacies in. And I don't know, it, it's it's a, it's all so crazy. The way it works behind the scenes in terms of the people actually doing recruitment is you practice. So you're like given numbers, and based on your number is the order that you stand in, starting at the door, going back, and everybody lines up in the same order, and then the girls walk in the house in a line. And you approach them in a line. So one by one by one, you are given that you walk like you're you're matched with a person. You're given their arm and you walk them into the main room and you start the first conversation. And Heather McMahon and I talked about this, then starts what's called bumping and you have bump groups. And basically what bump groups are. So they're they'll talk to the exact same potential new members during the given function on whatever night. And there, there are groups that are de designated by the recruitment chair and they are designed so each new member will get to meet different people that have slightly different personalities that kind of will, will provide a little bit of range. And, you know, I, it's a bit of an art and a science. I would love to get in the brain of whoever established ours, um, you know, as as I'll read later. Somebody, you know, wrote in being like the prettiest girls were like number ones and at the front. And like I, de I definitely wasn't a number one. I was a hard left down the hall. And given that my friends pick these numbers, I don't know how to feel. But it tracks. Our, we were, it was always positioned to us as like a personality thing. Like who are the most outgoing? Who could talk to a wall? Those will be ones. But now I'm like, oh, God, no, they're all mega hotties. Who cares? We, we were putting our best foot forward. And by foot, I mean face. And honestly, who cares? Learned in life to stop complaining about the things that I don't want to do. It's like, well, I'm offended. I also you know, don't want to be that person that's you know, on the front lines necessarily. I would, be, would have been perfectly happy in the kitchen. Real quick, guys, just have to continue living out my influencer dreams. You know, at one point in the Facebook group, I'd ask people if they like their FabFitFun boxes. And I made the ever so, so ever so clever joke that I felt I was more gab sit pun. And the the responses were legit overwhelming of how much people liked it, how much they wanted me to have a code so they could get the fall box. And I just couldn't even I don't know, I was excited to see listeners so excited about something before I even ever advertised for it. And so I come to you today as an official influencer, given that I have a code for a fab, a fit, a fun. And I have to tell you, I am all three of those things now, because what I didn't know about the bo this box is that it's full size products. Like I legitimately maybe people say that in the ads, but I don't know why I didn't know that when I got it. I was like, oh, my God, this is like a lot of stuff. And I, I legitimately 
used quite a bit of it. So what FabFitFun is, is a women's lifestyle subscription box filled with full-size premium beauty, lifestyle, fitness, home, wellness products, all that stuff sent straight to your door each season, four times a year. And they kind of, their goal is to take the hassle out of shopping by doing it for you. And each box can be customized to your specific interests. You can go on the site and before the box is delivered and pick from a series of items that can be included in your box. And the fall box had a lot of really fun stuff from a, a plaid, super soft scarf that rivals the scarf TM from bloggers of year, years past. But you could pick between that and a yoga mat or like a hair straightener. And um, what else did I get? I got a I got a cheese board. I got a cheese board with gold hardware. It was it was amazing. Um, I got those gold like iPads. You always see people Insta storing, and they're always wearing face masks. And I don't feel like I have that like face mask type of beauty where I can transcend the fact that I look like Hollow Man while I'm Insta storing with a full sheet mask on. But I got these little eye ones that are gold that make me feel fancy as hell, and I will be storing with them on. And they they feel incredible. A twenty five dollar golden eye mask, but. Does it make me look gorgeous? You betcha. You know, like there's there's a the salt and pepper mill worth twenty two dollars. There's these um, uh, brow pencils worth forty eight dollars. Like independent of price, you can just throw stuff in the box and it doesn't affect the price, which is pretty incredible. And I don't know. Honestly, I think that I just didn't really know enough about this. And it's a pretty good idea. And it was fun to get like little gifts. And I think, too, I'm so often filled with jealous rage when I watch people do unboxings. And this was like my own unboxing. <laughs> To myself, where I was like, and now we have a vitamin C serum. And, you know, I felt like I was Kim Zolciak Bierman. So, again, the fall box is over $200 in value. It's $49.99. With my code, be there and five at checkout at fabfitfun.com. You, uh, you will get $10 off your first box. That's fabfitfun.com. Use code be there and five for $10 off. And you can pick different things that go in it, which is kind of great because of big reason I haven't historically signed up for subscription boxes like this is because I want more choice of what goes into it. And this curates it so it narrows it down enough where it's not a free for all, but gives you enough choice. So if you're really not going to use something, you don't choose it. I think about, you know, all my runs to Ulta and Sephora and stuff. And like, you can spend 50 bucks on a singular product and to get like, I just got so much stuff. I really can't. It's pretty wild. Um, oh, I'm like even past the time of my ad, but they do. What I also love is they partner with a different charity every season in the season. They partnered with City of Hope, which is an incredible charity. Honestly, so much fun. Use my code there in 5 Get $10 off your box. FabFitFun.com code there in 5 And yeah, thank you so much to FabFitFun for, for sponsoring this episode. I thought it was so appropriate given that we're just chit-chatting about our glory days. Where we, we used to get baskets on baskets on baskets of gifts from our bigs and our buddies. And what better now than to give yourself your very own basket, but better than your big who is so hot now you're a grown woman who isn't under the watchful eye of standards who can afford one herself. How great is that? Fabfitfun.com and or use code be there in five for ten dollars off. Now back to the show. So then how basically bumping works. It's it's designed so you feel like you're socializing in a house and you feel like it's very natural and people are just talking to you. But in reality, you're standing in one place and people are very artistically, carefully uh eavesdropping in the conversation and the other person backs out of the conversation and goes to the next potential new member. You probably like a designated spot in the room. And it's, it's, it's like I said, it's an elegant game of dressage. And okay. It's like, so for example, you, you walk into a house in a party, you're given the arm of somebody, you walk into the main room, you're talking to them. The person you're talking to is like in the first position, you'll talk to this person for a while but out of nowhere, 
her friend comes up and she's like, oh, my God, Megan, I've heard like so much about you. You know, she can't say that. So she'd be like, hi, Clarence. I don't know why I just said that. <laughs> I'm not a sorority sister named Clarence. She'll acknowledge her sorority sister. and She'll be like, Clarence, oh, my God, who are you talking to? What's going on? And then she'll ease. Clarence will ease you into the conversation with a potential new member. Then the PNM will talk to the second person for a while. And then a third person will come and be like, oh, my God, Rutabagger. What am I doing? I've had two glasses of wine at this point. I'm getting a little tired. Um, Rutabagger, so tell me everything. Like, what's going on? Who are you talking to? What's good? What shows have you you been watching? Whatever. And then gradually you bump out the second person. You're just talking to the third person and so on and so forth. So, like, when Clarence left, she went to go find the person that she bumps who's talking to another person. So then, you know, Rutabagger came in and then Rutabagger leaves and goes and finds Clarence again. And so everybody's always talking to somebody, but you're also getting to meet everybody in a singular rotation. And then you have people called floaters, which if you watch Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders making the team, I would kind of liken to being group leaders, you know, biggest floater being the point of the triangle, the, the, the face of the sorority, the one you want on the calendar, like, the floaters were like really good at socializing, really cute, really great representatives of the sorority, usually more senior people. And uh, they would kind of like, you know, bop around the uh, in the room to like see who was uncomfortable, break up awkward silences, just be like charming as hell and generally just, you know, wildly impress the potential new members with their relentless charisma. So that's bumping. And so this would happen every night for four nights. And based on these conversations you'd have with five people and you five, you know, give or take. Again, this is not how every school works, but I think this is largely like how Panhellenic was when I was doing a recruitment between like 2005 and 2009. And it's honestly designed to be fair and it's designed to give everybody an equal amount of time at every house and that the very first day it's even playing field, no decor. You know, there's very strict rules about like garnishes and drinks. Like a bunch of people message me being like, we got fined for having garnishes and our non-alcoholic cocktails. Like it has to be bare bones because they don't want any house having a leg up. Because as we know in life, people with more resources are able to make themselves look better and might recruit better talent, better people, whatever, you know, whatever that even means. And they want it to be fair. And, you know, speaking of fairness, one, one is, can only assume the IFC, the Interfraternity Council, would have men be doing this process, this rigorous process with 14 governing bodies as well. But, oh, God, no, the rules don't apply to them. They're men. It's a freaking free for all. They can haze. They join whatever house they want. They doesn't need to be fair. They, they, they doesn't need to be regulated. It doesn't really need to have any oversight. They can do whatever they want because they're men. My God, kill me. I don't even I can't even get into that. But no, they don't have a similar process. I don't even know what the hell they do. All I know is that, like, I, I was friends with some guys that pledge fraternities and they were like terrified of the older guys and had to do whatever they said. And they mostly just kind of had to do bitch work. Um, There's a few instances where I believe people had to like drink a large amount of terrible, uh, you know, corrosive to the old esophagus vodka in a closet with a strobe light. But I don't fully remember the details. I don't even know if that was at my college. I, you know, you hear tales, who the hell knows? I just can't even believe the crap they put us through and how casual the fraternity process is. I don't know if it's still the same way, but Go figure. This is this is this is why we have so many issues in our world and how differently they're treated and uh, whatever. The story story for a different day. Anywho, 
so then the, as the nights go on, they're able to show like a little bit more and more personality. Some schools do skits. We did not do skits. I could not imagine having to do skits. Um, but we def- we had like a cute videos and we do different cheers and chants and, you know, the whole song and dance. It was cute and it was upbeat. And I remember thinking it was very scary when I was going through it. And when I was doing it, thinking, wow, we're making these girls feel so at home. You had to lose a guy in 10 days. Shower scene feels like home to me. Feels like I'm all the way back to where I came from, belong. I forget the words. Her name's Chantel. It's a beautiful song. I just remember being like, I am crushing this. Uh, I'm miserable, but I'm crushing this. I really thought like everybody I talked to was like going to go KD. Most of them didn't. I vaguely, I'm like decent in conversation, but it got to a point where I was so personally bored. I think I was taking too much creative liberty with the conversations. And I would start to get into topics, you know, that were honestly probably obscure pop culturally. And I do remember having a big conversation about the choreography to High School Musical, to which my bump partner swiftly um, stopped me before I did the motion. Well, you go, all this together, once we know, shoulder struck, we are, we're all stars. And there's this point where you go, we're all stars and you hit your like wrists together and then you do like a star motion. Um, it's very similar to the word awesome in sign language. If you hit your fist before you did awesome, like our God, you know, straight hand from nose to sternum. Our God is an awesome splash, splash God. If any of you went to church camp, I feel like the only thing I got out of church camp was a, well, like I talked about a, a lifelong sense of shame about having a female body and how everything I do should affect how men perceive me. And also learning what crap in a sign language. I know a lot of American Sign Language, thanks to church camp. And while I do not thank them for exhibit A, for exhibit B, I am motioning them. Thank you in sign language as we speak. Uh, anyway, so just kind of wanted to explain recruitment and bump because I think it's interesting. And then what's hilarious about bid day. So I think we got like notified at our dorms or something of maybe like our doors were decorated. I don't know. I was in this leadership dorm because I wanted air conditioning. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm a social leader of tomorrow. But like, Really, it was the only dorm with AC on campus. My roommate and I hated each other. She had silk blue zebra bedding with blue feathers around the throw pillows. Her boyfriend looked like Kevin Federline. She blocked me on AOL Instant Messenger so I couldn't see the away messages she put up talking shit about me. But I'd go across the hall to my friend Carly's and I'd look at her away messages and I'd be like, dude, I'm right here. (laughs) And we could not have been in a smaller room. Honestly, still wouldn't take it back because I had AC and other people suffered. Uh, it was a great dorm. It was clean. People were nice. I made really good friends in it. It was co-ed, which was awesome. Um, and I had I ended up having a very good time freshman year with the people in my dorm. I just remember being so scared that I was going to choose the same place as my roommate. But I also remember thinking, you know what? If they choose her, it's not the home for me. And I probably wouldn't have gone. I honestly like. She was so mean to me. Um, and honestly, it was because I stayed up really late and I probably was like click clacking away on my like ginormous dinosaur of a Dell laptop because I didn't sleep then. I don't sleep now. I just I like working into the night and that's tough in a shared space. Honestly, I, <laughs> hearing myself talk just now, it's like that's what people say on The Bachelor that I would like eviscerate you for being like so dense to be like, if you love her, then obviously you're not the one for me because like. Every girl makes a grave error of the, on The Bachelor of 
talking badly about another woman and suggesting that like their relationship is contingent on the person kicking off, you know, that other person off the show. And like, it's, you know, life doesn't work that way, but I legitimately felt that way with the sorority. But now that I'm thinking about it too, honestly, um, people are always like, God, being the bachelor bachelorette so hard. If you talk to these, uh, 25 women in one night, 25 women, try talking to 500 and being in recruitment sorority girls, the, the things we do, <laughs> we just don't get enough credit. It's very similar now that I'm thinking about it. We wore ball gowns. There were decorations. I think there were roses. No, you didn't get out to give out, but there was decor on the house. When, once we finally got to the nights where garnishes were acceptable, it's fighting with a bunch of different girls that all are all vying for the same thing in formal wear. And it's perhaps even harder because there's no booze. And honestly, in college, like now I'd probably be hardcore sneaking wine in my polka dotted Nalgene. But back then I drank to party. I didn't drink because I needed to, if that makes sense. <laughs> I don't mean that in a sad way, but like, you know, now on a Tuesday, I'm not having a glass of wine because I want to go sing karaoke. I'm having a glass of wine because I'm self-employed and my future is far from bright. And that's just is what it is. That's what happens with adulthood. But back then, I I mean, it was far more unhealthy because we just put vodka and Gatorade bottles, mix it with whatever the hell we could find anywhere. Coca-Cola didn't matter. And one uh, in that Taylor Swift 73 questions video, she said her drink of choice was vodka diet coke and i was like that's something somebody says who never drinks that's disgusting but then 2016 happened she got taken down i think she started drinking a lot now she's always posing with wine and whiskey and i find her all the more relatable anywho um at the time you know we i couldn't like socialize actually without drinking so maybe i would have needed it more it's hard to say anyways i'm on a tangent but it is very much like the bachelor when you think about it and it's a very intense situation to put young people into socially and i'm amazed we all made it out alive to be honest but anyway, back to bid day. I just think about what was going through my head, but I was trying to push down so hard because I was like, this is the time of your life. You are so lucky. You are a Kappa Delta. You are honorable. You are the beautifulest. You are the highest. And you have to be a classy lady because your bid day t-shirts say, because class is not just something you attend. But now, but now like I see it a little more literally. And remember, I was utterly terrified. So what I was saying is, you know, so many of the stereotypes with men, with with fraternities, is about hazing. And I think there's a lot of old wives' tales about sororities um, hazing, too. And I actually got a lot of emails that some still do. But what I can't... Okay, let me just paint you a picture. In the event... Uh, this is my experience. I don't know if it was yours. Or in the event you want to hear about it. <laughs> okay, you're a scared freshman. It's a, it's a cold... It's a cold, dead winter's night. You just realized... None of your friends from your dorm, none of you pick the same sorority. You're terrified to walk into a room of people you don't know. It, it, the last thing you went to was candlelit. It was calm. It was prep night. Everybody wore white. You're like, it'll be fine. I'll try to make one friend. We'll probably like sit down and they'll talk to us and whatever. It, it, it'll be fine. Like the door opens and you're like, oh, hey. And they're like, oh, K-A-P-B-A-T-E-L-T-A, Kappa, Delta, Kappa, Delta, A-O-T. We will always loyal be to the best sorority, Kappa, Delta, and you're like, you're at a loss for words. I can't even explain the feeling of when you hear your first chant. You're like, well, your first chant as a full-fledged new member, because then it's going to become your chant. It's funny until you've got to drink the Kool-Aid. And I remember being utterly terrified the first time I was like, oh, I'm, I'm one of them now. I was excited and I felt welcome, but it was, it was a lot of energy for what had just been a very long week. 
I thought for me, but having gone through recruitment, I realized it was even longer for them and they still somehow mustered the energy. It's like, it's just not normal to have a group of people like synchronized screaming at you and looking so happy doing it. It, it, from the second you walk in everybody is so warm and so kind and so happy you're there you're like oh they're definitely gonna murder me like there's this is like how would they like somebody this much they don't know but what you don't know is that they've spent such a long time talking about you and by talking about you the three you know two to five minute long interactions you had with like you know anywhere from six to twelve sorority sisters as they did their elegant game of bumping God forbid your, you know, bump partner is a total goober. And you, you're notice them, noticing them like flailing, discomfort, hand signals, remnant of skin and rinky dinky dink. And you have to swoop in and like figure out how to transition from somebody talking about how they used to do the chicken dance, the roller rink to more sophisticated topics. So your chapter seems like they're interested in like world issues and philanthropy. And then only for the person to look glazed over when you say the word philanthropy, because pretty sure most 18 year olds aren't really tuned in to uh the old let's drink our faces off for the children i realize this is the second time i brought up bumping i'm obsessed with it i think it's hilarious i think it made me a very good conversationalist and i think the way it's done is so smooth and so elegant and i really had no idea what was going on when i was doing recruitment i wonder if people do now but it's honestly brilliant It's, it's a great strategy anyway so yeah all these people are obsessed with you but you don't really get why you walk in, there's like posters, like people are cheering. Everybody's wearing matching shirts. You get a matching shirt. You probably get a basket with a bunch of, del- you get like a water bottle. You get like all this delightful stuff. You maybe get letters, but like you're not allowed to wear them to you're initiated, obviously, because your founders in the 1800s would roll over in their graves if they knew that somebody in this arbitrary organization they created would dare wear letters before they were properly initiated. What I think is so funny about all of this is Despite all the old wives' tales, despite everybody's fear, <laughs> when you join a sorority, the problem isn't paying your dues. I mean, you have to pay dues, but like, you know what I mean? Metaphorically paying your dues. The problem isn't hazing. The problem is being creepily obsessed over by people you don't know. The problem is an excess of, of, of gifts and baskets and trinkets with your letters on it that you can't even use to get initiated. I, I, I remember just being like, what is going on? Like, they're, they're like, babies you're perfect oh my god look at her beautiful babies and i'm saying it like that because they would call k-d-k-a-y-d-e-e then they'd spell baby b-a-y-b-e-e which even as i'm saying that i have like some serious acid reflux but you know it was it was it was, it was what it was and we were just like showered with like aot aot which as i detailed in ween picks is part of our ritual that we were told once we got initiated but were told during our pledge period it's a secret code that only Kappa Deltas know. And we're told that like it, it's never been written. It's, it's a piece of ritual that has only been passed down by word of mouth in over the, the past century plus of time. And truly it was positioned to me as, as the world's most ancient game of telephone. And nobody else could possibly ever find out what it means unless they were properly initiated as a Kappa Delta. I am, I'm a knucklehead and never thought to like Google this. At the time, we weren't really like Googling things a lot. I don't think. I mean, we were, but you know, I just was choosing to believe people. And um, not until I, you know, was out of college for a while and I was on a date with my now husband. And I was like, oh, yeah, we have this thing called AOT. It's the world's longest game of telephone. It's super secret. And like nobody knows it because it's never been written. 
And he was like, oh, that's cool. And his like thumbs go, you know, tapping away on his phone. Five seconds later, he's like, does it mean this? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those funny moments where I was like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, that's how much you get sucked into this. You're like, oh my God, wow. Like I'm part of something so secretive, so meaningful. And honestly, if there's anything I like about sororities, in addition to the friendship, it's kind of that ritual aspect because I'm very into Gilmore Girls. I'm very into the Life and Death Brigade, the Skull and Bones. I'm very into the idea of secret societies. I think they're fascinating. I don't really know what the purpose is, but I love the idea of being sworn into something that you have to keep secret for some weird reason that like doesn't totally make sense, but allegedly will like give you perks for life. And apparently those secret societies give you perks for life. I don't know if I believe that I'd love to hear from a member of the skull and bones. If you're out there, if anybody in a secret society, really, I would love to hear from you because I know like UVA, which is in state and a lot of my friends went to, um, I know people that were in them, which I guess they shouldn't have told me, but I really don't think they have anything to do with them now. And they didn't really mean anything in life, but so many people at the time, like all you want is to get in one. Um, we didn't have them at tech, uh, but I just, anyway, so I, I like the ritual component and I won't, I'm not going to like reveal any of that because even though I didn't like sign an NDA, I talked about this on a Kate Lila episode. Like, I think it's so funny how committed I am or like was to being like, yeah, AOT's never been written down, but like, it was on Google, but I didn't even realize how loyal I was until that moment because it just never crossed my mind that somebody could look it up because it was so like sacred. And I, without any sort of legal documentation or serious oath being held to me, why I keep it secret, I don't know. But that's kind of the beauty of it. It's this this kind of um, ambiguous loyalty you have that kind of proves to you the point of loyalty is not to be obligated. It's to care about something with such depth that you respect it too much to reveal it. And an NDA can force you and obligate you. A Bible can force and obligate you under oath, whatever it is. But when all is said and done, I don't really feel comfortable getting into it because it's not mine to tell. It's generations and generations of women who have built something to maintain the sanctity of it and it's their experience far more than it is mine. But anyway, uh, this, okay, I'll, I'm going to stop talking about my component. I'm going to get into some of the stories and I'll pepper in my experience where I see fit. I wanted to kind of like share a little bit about recruitment because I think it's interesting. I think some of the stories get more into like how hardcore it is from being in the position of being the person that is doing the recruiting. Um, but also just, I don't know, like, it's not, these are nothing crazy. Some of the, again, I I have I want to kind of react in real time. I haven't read them in depth. Um, I kind of skimmed and like flagged. Okay, like this looks like it's about recruitment. This is about like sisterhood, whatever. And what I love is that it's nothing groundbreaking, but it's almost the series of innocuous moments that when you're reading them objectively, you're like, this is so stupid. This makes no sense. But the fact that it was their one standout moment in college is what you have to remember of their sorority because it's how blown out of proportion things get. And I think that is what is so fascinating half the time. I was listening to Bath and Body Jerks, and it made me think of the T-shirts we had to buy for formals and charity events we had. The best T-shirt designs were the ones with super inappropriate sayings. We did a 50-hour seesaw marathon. <laughs> like, what? These philanthropy events, they're getting just, like, too creative. 
uh, we did a 50 hour seesaw marathon with a frat and the t-shirt said when they go up we go down i'm samantha um one of our date party shirts was star themed and said an evening under the stars a night under an ao pie i'm samantha truly these are awesome samantha jones jokes i can't not say them like that and another date party shirt was ups themed like why <laughs> and it said your package our box overnight delivery guaranteed what does that even mean your package our box oh ew okay i'm a moron but overnight delivery Oh, like you come. Okay. Oh my God. Uh, also, I just said the sorority. Sorry. Um, nobody knows we went to school. And in the end, we all know it was the parents who were ultimately paying for these t-shirts. <laughs> uh, my mom quilted mine. I would love if she quilted. Oh, she said, also, I was a genius and had a quilt made of some of my sorority shirts. Can't find the quilt currently, but really hoping I choose wisely. Probably not. Oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> this one, I, I am grabbing excerpts. So you're probably hearing an edited version now. Um, this one says, since it was Halloween, we were required to attend our homecoming partner fraternity's house, homecoming partners fraternity house party. Being in a pledge class, you are one, not 24 individuals. We had to be the first ones to get there and the last ones to leave. We also had to continue to stay together as one throughout the whole night. If one person has to be great, all 24 of us are linking arms Red Rover style to the solo bathroom. No freaking way. That's insane. Need a red rover to the bathroom? Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, the party starts at 1130. Please get there by 1045 while the fraternity is still setting up. Your pledge mom will meet you there and she will force you to race in front of the house, making your designated transportation sound. Oh, and then you have to be the last ones to leave. So your pledge mom and her assistants will stay until the wee hours of the morning, 430 a.m., and then force you to find her and her friends a way home, but not before another round of racing as your designated transportation. Uh, I think she means like, you know, train, car, choo-choo. I mean, that's insane. I don't know what year this is from, but that's like a little bit hilarious. There's a few examples of very somewhat harmless hazing. I had no less than five people tell me they had to sort a large thing of sprinkles by color. Some of the, you know, the people that just got by Scott free, like basically just slept their way through pledging, had to sort the sprinkles, you know, with bare hands. The rest, one, two people said Vaseline while well, their hands were coated in Vaseline. Uh, one person said, well, their hands were coated either in like oil or butter, which delicious. And one person said that they had to do it while their hands were coated with honey. And truly, I think stickiness is the one thing standing between me and child rearing because children are sticky and I hate the feeling of stickiness. And that truly is a pure form of torture that I cannot stand idly by and condone. So if you or a loved one has been a victim of honey hands, please uh, contact me and you might be entitled to financial compensation. Very, very much like mesothelioma. <laughs> this person said, um, we sent people to literal collections if they didn't pay a fine in a timely manner. Looking back now, I'm like, WTF, who do you think we, who did we think we were? That's crazy. I mean, I got a lot of follow-up emails, but I don't think they got, like, the feds involved. Um, she said, our fines for missing recruitment are $100 per round. When I was recruitment chair, we had a girl skip a day, and on that day, we had 13 rounds, so we legitimately fined her $1,300 and her parents paid it. Wow, 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 wow. 
See, if you said like you'll you'll get fined a hundred dollars per round, I would have thought per day, and I'd be like, okay, four hundred dollars or my sanity. I'd probably pick my sanity, but that's insane. Because yeah, truly, it's these are the longest days of your life. I think this is one is from a long time ago, more sign of the times. At least I hope. Um, and this person said, "At my sorority at a big school in the south, whose mascot is a bulldog, during rush recruitment, if we're being PC." Gotcha, girl. Um, we had cards with each girl's info, their name, their age, their high school, their hometown, their legacies, and their GPA. At the end of each round, you would go back and rate the girl and mark AP, which means appearance problem, or PAP, possible appearance problem. Most of those got cut and wouldn't make it to the next round. I'm cringing right now thinking about how awful this was. It is. I mean, like, we, we, ours were not grounded in appearance whatsoever. Um, you know, I can't speak to if some people, you know, judge people on that or not. I think that, you know, I don't know. You're only so deep when you're younger. I'm sure even I was like, are those clogs? Because um, I was a monster and I didn't develop like empathy and, you know, all the things that like a normal person should really have until a later age when I realized there was so much more to life than just pleasing the people within like 10 meters of you. I think that these things or more often I hear them from the South. I think it's interesting. It's so serious. You have acronyms for them because I feel like it's usually like a kind of a, you know, more so like an incompatibility thing than an appearance thing. Um, but I'd be interested to know what a PAP is, a possible appearance problem, because I, I just need more criteria. Like, like, what are your expectations? You know, like, is it clothes? Is it face? Is it hair? Is it styling? Like, I didn't really, I didn't really know how to wear makeup till farther in my 20s didn't get my mitts on a curling iron until way too late i was wearing way too many flare jeans i had like one or two pairs of i had like one seven jeans one citizens of humanity spent all my money from working at cpk and like the bev card to like buy these dumb 200 pairs of jeans thinking i looked fly as hell but in retrospect they were like goobery lei from cole's bell bottoms that just had a higher price tag and i prance around in my stiletto pumps in the club and just I, I honestly thought I was Giselle. And it's what kills me, too, is like I look back and I'm like, God, I looked awful. But you think you're so hot. And these, the appearance problem is like, well, not only is it like fundamentally an issue, but also like people think they look their best at recruitment, which is kind of sad when you think about it. It makes you want to give people like a lot more grace um, because it's hard to come into your own when you're that young. But again, like I remember just being startled by how hot everyone was like everybody was stunning. This is. I mean, this is at a time where your currency, unfortunately, is your looks. And I cared way too much about being hot and way too little about my personality. So when any guy would be like, you're my best friend. I love your personality. I was like, I'm ruined. But, you know, obviously now wouldn't trade it for the world. I'd rather be the person that made them laugh than the person who, like, vacantly seduced them for a night. And then she said, during recruitment, we had to end on a positive for the potential new member, acronym PNM. And we weren't allowed to say she's cute or that we liked her outfit. So we'd be forced to have someone raise their hand and say, she came to our party <laughs> as if that's better than she's cute. We still use that line 10 years later whenever we feel like we said too many negative things. This, I like that sentiment, though, to end on a positive. And if you don't have a lot to say, she came to our party. <laughs> I love that. Um, Announcing who was on bad financial standing and academic bad standing at the beginning of every single chapter meeting. 
The academic one lasted for a whole semester. We get it. No need to rub it in Anne's face weekly. That's so true. That's so rude to tell everybody who has horrible grades and who's poor <laughs> every single meeting. Um, we had to sell 15 to 20 tickets to an annual pancake dinner for our philanthropy. Anything you didn't sell, you had to buy. I was a poor college kid. All of us had the same friends, and we're at a small college, and that means saturated market. How is that a fair business model? Honestly, the, the gimmicks people come up with for fundraising are so, so dark. It's like, guys, don't literally, I'll pay you to not invite me to a pancake dinner. Like, who, I, wh- why would I want that in my life? Like, I'll eat pancakes for breakfast. Thank you very much. I don't think I ever had to do that, but I'm, like, really opposed. I, I, if there's one thing I hate in this world, it is being forced to fundraise. Um, it's not that I don't believe in fundraising. It's that um, I am not your best gal because I'll just, like, buy out the tickets myself and, like, secretly be seething that you ever made me do it. I'm not going to, like, go door to door and be like, pancakes? No. Um, the recruitment chair told us that the only approved jewelry we could wear, besides pearls, of course, was David Yerman or diamonds. <laughs> Okie doke. What about cubic zirconia? The recruitment chair is God. You don't argue with the recru- recruitment chair. She's the prettiest girl in the whole sorority, and it's not a coincidence as the recruitment chair opens the door and stands there smiling at all the PNMs while the rest of us did the door song like the trains- trained monkeys we were. I digress. I was like, who the F is diamonds at this age, and what even is David Yurman? One of the girls raised her hand and asked how much David Yurman we could wear because, quote-unquote, they're meant to be stacked. Oh, God. <laughs> This is going to be rough. <laughs> what a bitch. <laughs> that was like another funny learning about college too. Is I just had never seen people with like more jewelry, more nice clothes, nicer cars, like dressed to the nines all the time, fresh blowouts, like always looked so beautiful. I, I, I don't know. College was like such an insecure time for me. I just had no idea. I, I don't know. You're like a big fish in a small pond and then you come somewhere else and you're just like, Oh, like I should hate myself. All anybody does is talk about how fat and ugly they are, even though they're like perfect and in shape. All anybody does is obsess about calories and go to the gym. I, I, I just remember I've never like felt more inferior in my life than when I got to college. Uh, you know, not only because I, I think the problem is, is the freshman 15 has less to do with going to college and like the drinking for me. And I think for a lot of people, it's just you don't play sports anymore. And all of a sudden you're like, having a personal pan pizza as an appetizer and Chick-fil-A for lunch every day. And like, there's some rumor floating around that like you get the wheat bread, it's only three Weight Watchers points. But then after you slather like ranch and Buffalo sauce and other condiments on it, a weight you are not a watching. And I, I don't know. I gained a ton of weight when I went to college, but I really just think I didn't realize thermodynamically how many calories I was probably burning by like playing sports and being more active in high school. Whereas in college, I just like, Went out with my friends, ate at buffets, kicked my heels up in my twin bed, watched my DVD of Cruel Intentions twice a week on my huge ass TV. And by huge, I mean 13 inches, but depth wise, it must have been roughly 36 inches that I thought was so, so top of the line because I got it at Walmart on sale, but it was silver and it did have a DVD player attached to the bottom with an adjacent VHS because at the time that was still relevant. And I just thought, like, I was basically, you know, part of the AV club. I had the most sophisticated technology in town. I I had, a, like, a really hard time freshman year. I made good friends. I really had trouble transitioning from high school. I really felt very insecure. First semester, we didn't rush. We rushed in the winter. We weren't allowed to wear coats while we rushed. 
we were, I mean, you had to take off your coats and then stand in a line. And like I said earlier, you'd like just wait to get in the out of the freezing cold, like literally snow on the ground, like literally like, you know, teen single digit temperatures. And then you would wait to get into the house where the girls would corral and one would grab your arm and then they'd start bumping. It's just such a weird time in retrospect because I've never felt worse about myself, but also I didn't resent the people around me for being like so hot and in shape and smart. I just kind of held it in and probably kept my distance because I felt inadequate. And over time, you kind of shake that a little bit more. And as you get to know people, you see less of just what they are at face value and their appearance. But I just that's the downside, right, of being in a large groups of women is, you know, when you're young, especially the inevitable game of comparison. There's a lot of really unhealthy dialogue about eating and weight. Um, a lot of people are very, very boy obsessed. Um, one of the tougher stories too. some of these are so long. I'm going to read them either on Patreon or in the part two. This is um, the uh, this is the last one I'll read for this episode. And then the next episode will be all stories and submissions of like funny T-shirt slogans. And anyway, so this person said throughout the process, I constantly felt like I wasn't smart enough, pretty enough, rich enough or connected enough. On bid day, I was less than thrilled with the sorority that had picked me. I soon came around and decided I would make the best situation I could. I was finally part of sisterhood. As a new member, we were encouraged to party a lot. We were showered with attention and gifts and our older sisters bought alcohol for us and we were guaranteed weekly parties. We learned songs, attended meetings, and looked forward to the day we would be initiated. Initiation was probably exactly like other every other sorority initiation. We sang songs, lit candles, gushed about friendships, and wore togas. Yes, we wore togas. Actually, that's not what mine was like. Um, you've touched on it before, but I lived in constant fear of getting fined for not attending meetings. We would get fined for every little thing. It's absolutely insane looking back on it now. Uh, the person I was as a sorority member isn't someone I'm proud of. I was encouraged to highly abuse alcohol during these days. I didn't do drugs, but I know there were sisters who loved Coke. Those damn skinny bitches. I would spend Wednesday through Saturday nights getting extremely drunk. Remember the four loco glory days? That stuff was poison and we relished in it. I realize now that I was a sad, insecure person using alcohol to make myself feel better. I also realized as an older adult that none of my sisters were really my friends outside of drinking and partying and hooking up. Not to say there weren't some good times, but the focus was mostly on getting drunk and meeting guys. We rarely did charity work, and when we did, there was alcohol involved somehow. So. These are, um, and then her, her actually, um, this is really interesting, but it's long. Um, and I am trying to keep these to like an hour and change each. Uh, so what I'm going to do, uh, so part two is going to be all stories and all reading off um, the funny like quotes you guys said you had on your sorority shirts. Some other anecdotes peppered in by me where I see fit, but I just kind of wanted to split it out because this one I kind of just wanted to set the stage. And then I'll kind of get into some of the submissions. So, you know, sometimes people that aren't used to me talking just want to send their friends like the funny stories part. Some people want the context. I'm trying to be flexible. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. There's a myriad of experiences and they're really fun to read, sometimes tough to read. And I will I'm going to post part two tomorrow. I am now I'm I just came back in from the beyond. I already recorded part two, but I'm just going to chop it up and edit it and put this part out first and then come right on back. And I'm, I know I usually promise things and then sometimes it takes me too long or I don't fulfill them. Um, but that kind of happens when I'll lose energy on a topic or I'll like get in trouble for something. And then I'm like, oh, God. But I mean, this is kind of, you know, I, I'm enjoying this conversation and I hope you are, too. I have over an hour of stories and funny T-shirts and stuff. 
And I can't read them all. I had so many submissions. Some of them are so long. I might do a Patreon, but I read as many as I can and without kind of duplicating sentiment of the story. And it's a fun uh, second part. So please listen to that. At one point I cry. A little bit of it is sad. And I talk a little bit about something sad that happened during college. And I don't know. I just felt like this was a real roller coaster of emotions. And that if I packed it into like two and a half hours, it would just be like way too much. And I'd rather parse it. So anyway, thank you so much for joining me again. I more so than anything, I want this to be a forum where I can tell people stories, honestly, where I can say for myself that I want to celebrate what was such a bizarre time in my life, but ultimately produce some of the greatest friendships of my life. There's a lot I do and don't agree with, um, but I think it's just interesting to learn about something that we all did in the context at somebody else's school. And it kind of makes you see how even though we have a lot in common, there there are a lot of things that are very different and that we need to be you know sensitive to and acknowledge everybody's opinions and situations as it relates to Greek life. And um, I think that's even highlighted more in the next episode. So thanks again to FabFitFun for sponsoring these episodes. Don't forget to go to FabFitFun.com and use code be there in five for ten dollars off your first box that is valued over two hundred dollars but retails for 49.99 with full-size beauty products but anyway until until next time i'm gonna play a little song that will mean utterly nothing to most of you but in the event any of my capadelsa sisters who i love so dearly are listening is a little blast from the past uh re our sisterhood video we shared on sisterhood night that we heard so many times my ears could bleed but now i find it weirdly heartwarming so anyways, guys, I hope you enjoy your day. I will see you tomorrow with the rest of the stories. And thanks so much as always for being here. Go to patreon.com slash be there in five to support the podcast monetarily if you so choose. And uh, it would mean a lot to me. They get first dibs on everything and they get bonus episodes. And actually, I'm doing a live show December 5th in Chicago. And I opened it up to Patreon first because I always want to give the perks to the people that have supported this podcast long before we were ever ad supported. And um, that it sold out in the pre-sale. So I'm even though I wish it was open to the general public because I want more people to have a chance because I didn't even have a chance to announce it on this podcast because it happened in between the past episode and now. And I'm also kind of like grateful that it's Patreon people that like are so supportive and that I love and I feel comfortable around because they know my deepest, darkest because they hear my bonus episodes where I don't hold back. Uh, so, yeah, I'm hope I'm either going to add a second show or I'm going to figure something out. This is something I'm. Uh, Courtney and I are like kind of piecing together ourselves. Um, I don't have like an agent or a manager. Like this is pretty informal. I honestly just want to get a chance to meet a lot of you that have been so supportive. I have no clue what I'll talk about, but I obviously have no problem rambling into the abyss. So hopefully I won't have that problem in front of your face and I may bring some guests and it'll be fun. There'll be wine. Uh, you know, the whole song and dance. My sister will be there. Hopefully my husband and dog should be a good old time. Um, so anyway, I'll let you know if there's a second show. I'll put um, join the waitlist because if the waitlist gets to a certain capacity, I am going to do a second show and perhaps change venues. Uh, I'm just trying to like get a gauge for interest because I really undershot the first time. And then, I, you know, I don't want to like jinx it. I just am very nervous about this whole thing. So to get on the waitlist, there's a link in my bio on my Instagram uh, profile at be there in five. Also, I'll put it in the uh, episode notes for this episode on iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe and give us five stars. Us being me. Um, if you liked this episode, because it'd take me a long time to put together, 
and means a lot. Uh, join the Facebook group at Be There in Fives Totally Totally Casual Breezy Facebook group. You can look it up in the search bar. I put a swipe up link on my Instagram sometimes. And you just have to answer a few questions. I do like mass let-ins every couple weeks um, just because it's easier to like do it in one swoop than in an ongoing basis for my own time management. Because I, I really do like look at the people because I, I care about having a positive online community. And yeah, those are all my announcements. I uh, love you so much. I'll talk to you soon. And as always, let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. With the sad eyes. Don't be discouraged, so I realize it's hard to take courage in a world full of people. You can lose sight of it all in the darkness inside. You can make you feel so small. But I see your true colors shining through. I see your true